Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are so glad that you are here. Glad that you are joining us. Hey, can I just come right out and ask for a favor? If you dig the podcast, if you listen to the podcast, would you do a couple things? Would you subscribe? That helps the show out. Would you also leave us a rating and review within iTunes? Helps other people to discover the show. Uh, and then finally, would you share it with one person? Don't You don't have to share it with the world. I mean, don't get me wrong. You certainly can if you want to. But uh, would you just share it with one person, someone who's interested in speaking and say, hey, I, I, I've been listening to this podcast. I think you might dig this. Go check this out. Send them the link. All right. That uh, we, we really do appreciate that. All right. So today, actually, we're having a, a, our co-host back. We have Melanie. Diesel, who's joining us. She joined us a couple weeks ago for a couple of episodes. We got good feedback on that. Melanie is a very successful speaker, coaching consultant on her own, but also does some uh, coaching for uh, the Speaker Lab with uh, many of our students and does a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And so uh, we're having her back for the next three weeks, the next three episodes. She's going to be joining us as we talk about a couple of different subjects and topics. And uh, we got more planned with Melanie coming up in the future. So uh, always fun to have her joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about how to be a road warrior, right? Because the nature of, of speaking is that you're traveling a lot and that you're getting on and going to hotels and rental cars and taxis and Uber and all that stuff. So we have a lot to cover here. We talk about booking travel. We talk about packing tips and strategies, talk about travel perks and rewards, and also even just kind of a lightning round of different travel tips. So all things travel today, we're going to be getting into all through the lens of being a speaker and being a road warrior. So lots to cover today. So let's get right into it. Here we go with uh, Melanie and myself chatting all things uh, travel. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Today, we are hanging out once again with my friend and co-host, Miss Melanie Diesel, who's joining us to talk all about road warrior status. But before we get that, we had you on for several episodes a few weeks ago, and everybody's like, we love Melanie. We want all of Melanie. Bring her back. And so uh, welcome back. Glad to have you here. Here I am. There you are. (laughs) All right. So let's jump into this road warrior status. What are we going to be covering and talking about today? They got all kinds of stuff because the reality is if you're living this speaker life, you are probably traveling a fair amount. And as we've talked about before, you know, it's not all vacations and, and glamorous status here. There's also a lot of hotels and a lot of airlines and airports and taxis and all of that. So we're going to walk through some of the little things we do to make life a little bit easier, a little bit less stressful, a little bit more pleasant while we're uh, on these journeys. It seems like whenever I talk with people, I know you have the same thing. People are like, oh, you get to travel all over the place. You get to stay in these cool places. <laughs> like, 
It's really not. I mean, it's yes, it's a first world thing. Like, yes, it's fun. It's cool. All right, let's get yeah. that out of the way. But dealing with air travel or missing flights or connections or lost luggage or being away from family or weather and all the things that go into it sometimes make it not so glamorous and not so sexy. So these are some things that we've learned over the years of traveling, doing this a few times, and some uh, hopefully some things that can, like you said, make that travel experience a little bit more bearable. So before we even get to some of those tips and strategies, let's talk about booking travel. What's your process for that? Do you book travel? Does the client book travel? How do you do that? Yeah. So I do it a mix. You know, when it comes to international travel, I will usually have my hosts book the travel. And the reason for that is I find that oftentimes I'm working with companies where English is not the preferred language, or I can't get the kind of website booking resources I need in English. So I will, I will often let them do that. You know, having my preferences and my details shared appropriately But generally for domestic stuff, I prefer to book it myself. I like to be able to choose my airport, choose my flight. You know, so it's it's kind of a mix. And I know I used to be full on in the let them book it camp, but you've kind of convinced me. And I've good. You're coming around. I've come to know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm much more like I want to book it. I want to be in control, especially primarily when it comes to flights. So I know my schedule better. I know what you know airports I'm willing to fly in and out of. I know my schedule better. I know what preferences I have, like you mentioned. And some of those things that they seem so simple and little, but it may be it's worth it for me to have some of that control. The other thing too is depending on the volume of events that you're doing, you may be in a spot where you're not just going to their event and coming home. Maybe you're flying to their event and then going to a different event and then going home. And so they can't book, you know, multiple segments or legs there. And so you want to be able to, to be in control of that. The other thing too is, is as we'll dig into, I highly recommend that you pick an airline that you stick with and uh, that this is the one that you're kind of your preferred airline of choice uh, for status reasons that we'll get into. But otherwise, like if they're choosing it, they're typically going to choose whatever the the lowest price is, regardless of the itinerary that may take four stops for them for you to get to them. And for them, they're like, I don't care, we saved 50 bucks, you know, but for you, you're like, that's horrible experience. So let's spend the $50 to get that. So I, yeah, I'm much more in the camp of I want to book the travel. Now, the only exception to that would be typically whenever it comes to the hotel, I will allow them to book it, especially if it's at a, uh, some type of if the conference or event is at a hotel because oftentimes they either either have a comp room or they have some type of, of conference rate. And so I just ask that they cover hotel and they take care of that. And typically that's that's no issue. Yeah, same here. I, I don't want to go through all the trouble of booking a hotel, especially because if you're traveling somewhere you're unfamiliar with, you don't necessarily know, is this hotel that's one mile away, is that a five minute mile in a, in, that right. I can walk? Or is this, uh, I need to take a taxi and it's going to take 35 minutes because I'm in the middle of, you know, the central area. You really don't know. So I prefer to, to let the hotels definitely let them take care of that. They know the area better usually. Now, do you do from a fee standpoint, do you do speaking your travel included in your speaking fee? So it's just kind of one lump sum or do you do fees, your travel separate? How do you do that? So if I'm going to be booking stuff myself, then I will increase the fee to account for whatever the estimated costs of that booking are, you know, obviously that's more for international, less so for, for domestic. If I'm allowing them to do the booking themselves, then I, you know, it's obviously it's not included. So I do try to keep it lump sum and I'll just note the fee is X and that's inclusive of the travel expenses or, you know, inclusive of the flight or whatever is included. Yeah. And the two primary ways to do it, like we've kind of touched on here is you either include your travel expenses in the speaking fee. So it's just kind of one lump sum. That tends to be what I do, what we recommend and what I think clients tend to prefer. Uh, And then the other option is that you would invoice for travel separately and typically after the event. The problem with that is then you've got a lot more tracking that you got to be doing that you got to invoice them on. Then you start going, 
going, all right, I got this, you know, $6 Starbucks receipt. Do I invoice them for that? Do I not do that? I don't know. Yeah. You know, so you got those silly things. You also just have the like expenses can start to add up that they're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, you know, we budgeted that the travel expenses were going to be 800 and here you are sending us, you know, $900 in invoice. And even though like, it doesn't seem like that big a deal to them, it may be some stupid little thing that leaves a bad taste in their mouth on the overall experience. Right. So yeah, oftentimes I, it's just simpler to, to not do that. And I have done that before in the past, you know, where if occasionally you work with a client where they have some strange requirement, there's some policy internally about what they can and can't reimburse about what yep. they can't charge ahead versus have to reimburse. So, you know, I've definitely done that before when that's the requirement, but it's a lot less pleasant. It's a lot more paperwork when you have to go the reimbursement route. So now I, I try to include it whenever possible. Cool. All right. So you've booked the gig. What do you actually, how far out do you typically book stuff? You know, I think it really depends and it depends oftentimes on what else is happening around then. So if I have several events in the pipeline that are pretty close to an event that yeah. I've just confirmed, I'm going to hold off because like you said, it may be more beneficial to do a multi-leg trip. You know, there may be other issues with regards to the travel that, that I kind of want to hold off, but you also don't want to wait too far to the last minute because it gets way more expensive. Right. So I would say generally like two to three months out is my desired. I don't want to go too far more than that. I don't want right. to wait too much closer, but I try to book two to three months out at least. Yeah, we do a little bit closer actually. We usually would do like four to six weeks out. Same type of reasons of those things that may pop up, like some other event that you may need to go to or from. But also maybe it's, you know, something changes in their schedule and they say, hey, we, you know, we want you to, we, we ask you to do the opening keynote. Now we need you to do the closing keynote and that may throw something off. So some of those type of things. You can also like, to your point, let's say you've got an event or two on either side of it. You can kind of use that as leverage of just saying like, hey, I have to book travel by, you know, X date. And so I need a decision one way or another, either you're you're in or you're out. So yeah, having having that, you know, as a, you know, as as a, a, as a chip can definitely help you. Yeah, for sure. All right. So uh, let's say at this point that you've you've booked the travel, the trip has arrived. Do you have any, uh, any packing tips? What do you do there? So, you know, my packing tips, I feel like I've shared this a little bit on, on Instagram and in some of our group calls here, and people seem to be super into the idea of, of my, my packing tips. So I'm happy to share. <laughs> you know, I talk about, I have what I call my tech tackle box. So yeah. I've got this little zipper case that I just got off Amazon. I think it's called Smart Pack or Smart Bag or something like that. And it's just got all these little like stretchy bands and little pockets for holding cords. And so in there, I've got everything that I could possibly need. You know, I've got a backup charger for my phone, backup chargers for my laptop and ethernet cord, every kind of dongle and adapter for the laptop that I might possibly need, you know, VGA, ethernet, everything. I got my own slide advancer. I have a set of headphones, you know, one for my laptop and one for my iPhone because they've got the different, yep, yep. you know, little plugs there. You think we could get uh, on the same page with that, Apple? No, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I've got a um, USB drive in there and I also have a number of different chargers and, and cords that are kind of miscellaneous that you may run into a need for. And I just keep that in my travel bag at all times. So there's no more, you know, I did this once. I forgot my laptop charger on, en route to a, to a gig and it now it will never happen again because there's one in there. 
Yeah. I have all the same cables, but I'm embarrassed to say I don't have them in anything nicely organized. So I have a specific pocket. I travel with a backpack and in that backpack, I've got a specific pocket where all those cables go and they're just kind of all thrown in and squished (laughs) in there. And so, yeah, that works for me for now. But yeah, just having all of that ready. And in fact, my my laptop, I tend to, I work from home. So I I have a desktop here that I use, but uh, my laptop just stays in my backpack. The charger stays in my backpack. And so if I need those, they, they come out of the backpack. When I'm done, they go back in the backpack. So just to your point that you're never like scrambling before a trip. Like I feel like I'm missing something like it always mm-hmm. just stays there and it stays ready. And you kind of got not just for like the, the, the backpack and the tech side, but even just in general, you've kind of have like your like James Bond ready to go <laughs> bag, don't you? Uh, yeah. I, I'm not like one of those doomsday preppers or anything yeah. where I like have a, go, a full on go bag, but like the speaker version of a doomsday prepper, like my bag is right. ready to go. So yeah, I actually, over, over the course of time, I've acquired second versions of things. So I've got like all my toiletries are in there. I've got a hairbrush that's in there. Like I don't have to pack almost anything. And I'm not embarrassed to admit that it's at the point where I'm now buying second versions of my favorite stage clothing items so that I don't have to take them out of my closet. Like I'm going to have that bag ready to go because if you're packing as often as you have to pack, if you're on the road a lot, that's time that you save stress that you save, variables you can eliminate. So yeah, I'm, I'm slowly acquiring second versions of all my favorite stage outfits to just keep them in there ready to go. Just ready to go. Whenever you're traveling, do you almost always not check a bag or do you ever check a bag? Any circumstances that you do or don't? So I very rarely check a bag. My strategy, I've got the, the bag that I have is an Away brand suitcase, Away Travel, and it's called the Big Carry-On. So it's like the maximum size that you could fit in a carry-on. It still fits perfectly in the overhead. It's compliant for everything but it's it's pretty sizable. So what I do is I keep anything that's essential, like my laptop, my medicines, anything in my actual backpack as a carry-on. But then I pack everything in this this you know small rolling suitcase from away. And I will bring it with me. I will try to always get it in the overhead. But that being said, I'm also not upset, generally speaking, if they run out of room and they gate check it because, hey, I'm still not paying to check the bag. So right. I try to bring it on with me in the large carry-on, but I'll let them gate check if they if they need to. And some of it could be a little bit trial and error because you don't necessarily know what size bag will fit in certain overhead bins, right? So when I was traveling a lot, I was flying out of a smaller market when we lived in, in Missouri. And so I was always flying on a regional jet to either Chicago or Dallas. And so a typical carry-on bag would not fit in the overhead bin. So they had to gate check those. And so I would end up, if I knew I was going to be on one of those regional jets, I would have more of a a duffel bag type thing because I just didn't want to wait around, especially if I knew that I had a tight connection. I didn't want to risk like having to wait around for a a gate check bag to to come off there. So, so yeah, I guess some of it is, it can become a little bit of a trial and error. So you mentioned you have a specific backpack. Do you also have like a specific bag that you travel with? Do you have like a you figured out the perfect suitcase that suits your needs and, and fits your style. So I know a, a lot of speakers, they have like some fancy go-to bag <laughs> that they spent two grand on. I like, honestly, like we tend to just, we'll find something at Walmart or target or whatever, and we'll roll with that for a year and it will be so jacked up. <laughs> now, just recently we actually got uh, from Amazon, like one of those Amazon basics brands, a suitcase. And so it's, it's a hard shell. We've taken it on a couple trips so far. It's worked out yeah. well. So we'll see what comes yeah. of that. But I just kind of assume that that as much as we travel, it's going to get dinged up. It's going to be damaged. Yeah. It's, they all have their pros and cons. So 
Like I haven't gotten over the mental hurdle of spending a ton on a suitcase that I know is going to get jacked yeah. up. Mine wasn't too expensive, but I, I had been using like the same strategy, like just a cheap suitcase. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get beat up anyway. I went to Philadelphia for a gig and my hotel was less than a mile from the train station. So I decided I would walk and my wheel of my rolling suitcase yeah. of that crappy suitcase broke halfway through <laughs> and I had to physically carry my rolling suitcase, you know, like half a mile. And I was like, never again. And as soon as I got to the hotel, I ordered a, a slightly nicer bag. So I'm moving up the, up the ranks. There you go. There you go. You keep, you keep <laughs> justifying it. Okay. I'm curious on this. Whenever you're traveling, do you travel in something that you can speak in? Do you go comfy or do you go cat? What do you, what do you do there? So I've had an evolution as in many of these questions. So I used to travel comfy. I would wear, you know, like leggings, a comfy shirt, and I got caught, you know, like at the airport in super comfy mode and someone from the conference was there and wanted to take a selfie. And I think I had this moment of like, as soon as I get in the vehicle to go to the airport, I'm on. Like yeah, we are in business true. mode. You are officially en route to a gig and you've got to be on brand. You've got to be yeah. you know, high energy. You've got to be ready to encounter people. So I've slightly tweaked it a little bit. I still try to be comfortable, but I'm comfortable and professional. You know, so I do have my go-to things that I know are comfortable. I like, it's smart to go with layers if you haven't, you know, done a ton of travel and you haven't learned this yet. Like it's going to be cold at one point, most of the time it's going to be hot at another point. So have some layers for your, your airport and airplane experience. But yeah, you got to walk that line. Do you travel like full on ready to speak? Like, I, you know, I typically haven't. I had one time where I was cutting it close on a flight and I got in and the bag didn't make it. And knew I had to head to the gig, so I did. I took a quick little shopping spree and went and bought <laughs> some stuff, and it, like it worked. But yeah, it was one of those like just added stresses of what yeah. I was wearing at that moment wouldn't have worked for the event. And so yeah. uh, now, typically when I'm traveling home, I want to get into a comfy clothes as, as quick as possible, so I'm not going like full on PJs or anything. But a lot of times, like if I'm you know at the event and then I immediately leave and head to the airport, like a lot of times at the airport, I'll. I'll find the bathroom and change into something more comfortable to travel back in, which airport bathrooms are the most disgusting places to change <laughs> in. But, you know, so something like that, just to, you know, to be comfortable, but I'm totally with you, like those scenarios and situations that may pop up where you need to be professional, you run into someone and even, you know, traveling back from a trip, from an event, it's the same thing may happen. So yeah, they're, um, they're more likely to recognize you after the gig. Totally. On your this is true. This is true. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned the, the tech tackle box, anything else that you bring with you? Any other essentials that you've got? Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I always keep like a tiny umbrella because it's, again, it's one of those things you learned the lesson the hard way and you're like, oh yes, I forgot it rains in places that I go right, and right. I'm not prepared and now I'm toast. So, you know, I always carry a small umbrella, various like uh, business cards and, you know, extra pens, notebooks, just things that I'm probably going to need and don't want to have to run out and get trying to travel more with, you know, gym shoes and gym gear to try to stay healthy on the road, which is maybe something we, we talk about <laughs> for another be. episode, right? But yeah, I mean, I, I try not to bring too much, but, you know, trying to anticipate what are the possible things that I'm going to need that are harder to get when you're in an unfamiliar place. In my backpack, one thing that I do is I always have a just kind of a, a basic manila folder that I keep a travel one sheet. This is something we got to get into at some point. But basically, someone on our team will put together this travel one sheet, basically a one sheet summary of all the details I need to know for that event. And so mm -hmm. in the course of communication over several months, there's a lot of things that may come up related to the event of, of times and contacts and addresses and all that stuff. And so they just give me a one sheet summary 
here's the address of where you're staying. Here's the address of the venue. If it's different, here's who your contact is. Here's who you're supposed to meet. Here's a sound check time. Here's the, the session talk that you're doing. Here's whether or not they have paid. Like we, we always have them pay a deposit up front and then the balance at the time of the event. Sometimes they will mail the check before the event. And so there's a note on there, whether or not I need to make sure I get a check from them. So like this, this one sheet summary of the entire event that my team provides to me. So that way, again, I don't have to think about that. So that's in there. I keep a copy of my passport and driver's license in there. Thankfully, I've never lost either of them. But like worst case scenario, especially if you're out of the country and trying to get back in, you Good luck with that. And then the other thing I keep with me is I always just keep thank you cards. Um, so just um, keep so some generic thank you cards that have our like custom logo stationary stuff on it. So we keep that in there just so that we can specifically for the event planner that we're working with. But also times like, you know, there may be times where you, you know, you click real well with a, a tech person or an assistant that happens to be at the event that you want to give them a thank you card. So travel with a, a few of those as well. The other thing too in, a, in my bag is I always have like random snacks. And so sometimes where it's like I bought something <laughs> at a gift shop one time and I just threw it in there and I didn't need it. Or, you know, on the flight, they gave you a little thing of pretzels, didn't want it right then, but I put it in my bag. Because there's times where like you're on a flight and it's delayed and like you're, it just overlaps with a meal and I'm hungry and I need to eat. And I gotta, (laughs) you know, I gotta make sure that I've got a couple of plan B's hidden somewhere. Yeah. I got a snack bag too. I got like cliff bars in there, you know, these like fruit sticks that are just like a blast of sugar. If you're low on energy, yeah, I keep I keep a little bag of snacks in there too. And and I also add in like the bonus ones from the the airplane when you're you're not in the mood for pretzels now, but you'll need them later. Right. At some <laughs> point that's going to come in handy. Is there anything that you don't pack? Saying this because mostly we get asked about this quite a bit. Yeah. A lot of people think speakers you need to travel with your own mic. Yeah. I have never done this. I've never had my own mic. I've never felt the need to bring it. And I actually, because we get this question so often, I was asking the tech guys at, at my last gig, you know, do speakers ever roll in here with their own mic that they need to hook up? And, you know, if they did, what would your reaction be? And the guy was like, first of all, you don't need it. We're good. That's why we're here. We're we've, got, we've got this figured out. Second of all, if you bring your own, there's a pretty good chance that it's not going to be whatever we need. There are technicalities with regards to a mic that you just may not understand. You know, you you may be all prepared to use something that we can't physically use, and that's going to throw you off. He's like, it's just don't worry about it. You probably don't need it. Right, right. All right, let's uh, let's keep moving on here. So, bef- and this is almost maybe a step back before even the, the packing piece, but whenever it comes to the traveling let's talk about status, loyalty, rewards, perks, all of that stuff. I got strong feelings on this, but what's your, what's your philosophy? You know, I think you should go first because I don't have super strong feelings on it. So, you know, you, you can start, start as strong. Okay. So the, the options (laughs) tend to be either you just like pick whatever the cheapest is, whatever the most cost efficient one is or whatever, sometimes what the direct, the direct option is. And so that's fine. I tend to, I've evolved a little bit on this. So when I was traveling like hardcore heavy and doing, you know, 60, 70 gigs a year, I was very, very loyal to American Airlines. They all have their pros and cons. A lot of it depends on where you're located. So for me, I happen to be in a smaller market and I could, there, everything was flying either to Chicago or Dallas. So you had two different hubs that you could go through. Now I live in Nashville and like 80% of the flights in and out of Nashville are on Southwest. And so I tend to, most of the stuff that I do now is, is via Southwest. But figuring out again, which 
airline has has a hub near you. So for example, if you if you were flying Delta, their major hub is in Atlanta. And so if you knew that, let's say I lived in Missouri, and anytime I had to go anywhere, I pretty much had to fly through Atlanta, even to go west, like that just doesn't make a lot of sense. So I tried to f- pick out something that was that was more centrally located there. The other thing too is once you pick one, again, all pros and cons, but just stick with it, right? Because the perks do start to add up. So for me, I quickly earned like some of the top tier status. I was executive platinum with them for several years. And so that means things like stupid things like boarding first, but it also means things like I was very frequently upgraded to first class. It means no checked bag fees. The big thing that again, it seems silly, but it really can make a big difference in a pinch is you would have issues with flight cancellations or delays. And so being able to be bumped to the top of the list for changing flights, for going standby on something, for there are, this flight was just canceled and now there's 60 people trying to get on the next one and there's five seats available. There's a good chance I was going to get one of those seats just because of status. So if I was trying to get to an event or trying to get home from an event, then those little perks would start to add up. And so if you're just going from you know one airline to one airline to one airline and it doesn't really matter, then it becomes, you start to get into some of those situations where you're like, dang, like status could really help me out right now. So that tends to be where I land. What, what about you? And again, this is like, what a first world, wonderful problem. Oh, totally, totally. Have, right? Like this is, we know, we know this is it. But if you're, like you said, if you're doing this once a week, like those little things, they make a big difference. And sometimes it does make the difference between making the gig or not. So for me, I am lucky to live in the New York metro area and we have quite a few airports here. Unfortunately, I have moved every year for the last three years or so. So I have been at a different airport as my primary and most convenient airport. So, you know, that means my hubs have changed, the closest hubs to me. So for a while, I was all about American. And then for a little while, I was all about JetBlue because it was the closest. And I still love JetBlue. Like flying JetBlue for me is just such a great experience. I love being it's my favorite to, to travel on, yeah. perks aside. But now I'm out, uh, I just crossed the river into New Jersey and I'm closer to the Newark airport. And here it seems like every flight I ever need to take is, is flying on United. So I guess I may need to, to switch my allegiance here and go all in on United. We'll see. As long as you pick one. And so this isn't, yeah. we're talking about it in the context of uh, flights. I think the same thing is true. I, I tend to follow the same thing when it comes to hotels. Yeah. And some of it depends on, again, the markets that you're speaking in. So for example, when I was doing a lot, I would I tended to be in Hilton properties, a lot of Hampton Inns, a lot of embassy suites, a lot of double trees. And a lot of times I was speaking in sometimes some smaller areas where they didn't have a Hyatt, they didn't have a Sheraton, they didn't have some of those you know nicer type of properties. And so just picking something that you stick to and that you're loyal to, because again, those statuses that uh, upgrades the you know check-in early or check out late, some of the free breakfast, you know, free Wi-Fi, you know, just some of those little perks that don't seem like that big a deal start to add up. So yep. just picking something that you're you're loyal to and that you're going to stick with. So I'm also in the school that it doesn't hurt to have them because there are, d- depending on the program, some of them, you don't even need to attain status in order to get some of these free perks. So something stupid, like you all know, they're going to charge you $4 for a bottle of water in your hotel right. room right? or eight. So some of them, even just by having a membership number, not even having any sort of status, you will get a free bottle of water or two. So there's these little things. So what I actually did is I have a membership number. I'm a member for almost all of the hotel reward yep. programs. I certainly don't. I have those that I favorite and, you know, I try to stick with those. But because like we said, oftentimes your host is booking your hotel because they know the area, they have a room block that's discounted. So I actually have membership for all of them. And and I put in that number when I check in, even if our, our host did not. 
uh, to make sure that I'm, I'm getting some of those, even those just those tiny perks that, that make life a little easier. Yeah. One thing that we do to keep everything straight is we use a free tool called Award Wallet. And so it's a both a website and then an app as well. But basically you input all of your numbers in there and you can kind of sync it with the actual hotel or airline site. And it basically, one of the things it does is it keeps all your numbers in one place. So I'm checking in at a Sheraton. All right, well, I don't constantly say it once, so I don't, I don't have that number off the top of my head, but I can pull it up in the app and give them my rewards number. Especially if it's the type of thing where we were talking about earlier, if the client books the event, they may have either put their rewards number in or there may not be a rewards number at all. I want credit for that stay. So so I make sure that I give them my reward number so I've got it easily accessible right then. The other thing too is it keeps track of all your balances and warns you when points are getting ready to expire. So if you're just staying at a, at a particular chain once a year, you're probably not going to earn enough to make any difference there. But if you're staying at something consistently, some of those points do add up. And so I want to be notified if some of them are, if I've got enough to use or if they are getting ready to expire or anything like that. So so that's a tool I use a lot is uh, Award Wallet. So definitely worth worth checking out there. Uh, when you get those low-level points, you get a lot of free magazines. <laughs> you can get a whole bunch of them. You can rack them up real quick. Do you have uh, any lounges that you use when you're traveling? You know, I'm not really super into the lounges. I'm more of a coffee shop person. So, you know, get me like a, a Starbucks or something in an airport. As long as they've got a good coffee shop, I'm good to go. So I haven't I haven't put a ton of effort into the lounges. But I know that, that some people have strong feelings about the lounge situation too. Yeah, and again, it kind of depends on on the lounge. It depends on who the airline is, who has them. A lot of times international lounges tend to be a little bit nicer than a lot of the domestic US ones. So for several years, I would go to uh, the Admirals Club, which is a American Airlines club. And so it was fine. Uh, some of them were better than others, but you'd have some free snacks. You'd have you know free Wi-Fi in there. Again, if you were running into some type of flight issue and you needed some feedback or help, I knew a lot of times there was nobody waiting there. I could get right in. A lot of times they were some of the better agents that you could talk to to help fix some type of flight issue. So that had its perks. But a lot of times, again, it just would depend on how much you were actually using it to see if that if it made sense for you. Yeah, definitely. I haven't leaned much into the lounge situation, but maybe as I move up the to chain. To be determined. <laughs> do you do anything for rental cars or just ground transportation in general? Do you usually do Uber, taxi, Lyft? Uh, all about Uber, taxi. I, okay. I find that I use taxis a lot when I'm local. The one thing I will say, and this is maybe more of a, a quick tip for later, is if you are traveling anywhere where English is not the dominant language, if you're doing any sort of international travel, I always bring a note card where I write down the address of the hotel like as it is on the hotel's website, you know, as my host has provided it, because whether you're getting in an Uber or a taxi or whatever app is in vogue in that place at that time, if you can't communicate with that person, you don't want to look like you don't know where you are, what you're doing. You don't want to stumble. So just handing them a, a note card makes ground transportation easy for me. I've never rented a car. Never? Never. Any of these trips now. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. So a lot of times, some of it depends on how far you're going, right? And so if, if you're flying to a major metro area and it's just 10 miles away to downtown, then yeah, doing a taxi versus paying $50 for parking the, for a car that you're probably not going to use. But if it's mm -hmm. the type of thing where, let's say that the hotel that you're speaking at and the venue are two different places, it may be simpler to be more in control or if you have to go to a meeting or even just to go pick up a dinner or something, sometimes being in a little bit more control is, is helpful there. So yeah, I, a lot of times I just try to think through the actual situation and all right, so if I go there, that means I've got, you know, I'm trapped at that hotel. Do I want to do room service for the next five meals with that pretty much being my only option? Is there any other food options, you know, locally that I can walk to? So just thinking through ahead of time, personally for me, uh, when I've rented cars, a lot of times I've used national rent a car. 
for a couple of reasons. One, they're one of the few that has a loyalty program where you can earn free rentals. And so would rack up those to use for you know vacations with the family later, cash those in for minivan. And then <laughs> The other thing too is they have their checkout process is really really simple. So they are they have their Emerald Isle where basically all the keys are in the car. You just get in the car, check out, and drive off. Versus go stand in the line and go through that whole song and dance for a little while. So anyway, that's uh, another preference. And I think the other thing to kind of note for all this stuff is no matter whether you're using Uber or you're renting a car or you're they're booking the hotel, you're booking the hotel, whatever it is, if a business credit card or business separate business bank accounts is something that's important or necessary for you and your business, you can sort of multiply all of this because I know I use the the Bank of America has a travel rewards card. I book all my travel through that card and I get multipliers on all of my travel right. booking, you know, which lead to other points. So then you you get this great system like you just said where you can go on vacation with your family for nearly free because you're combining all your various points you know, all your rewards. So yeah, is that, do you guys, you do that as well? Oh, hardcore into the miles <laughs> and points world. And some of it actually, this is, this is kind of random, but this, some of this, like I kind of noticed and I guess learned, picked up when I was growing up. So my dad did a lot of travel and then, you know, once a year we'd take some big family vacation. And I remember him saying like, he would just cash in, you know, miles or points or whatever. And I'd be like, whoa, 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 wait. So you're taking all this stuff on someone else's dime, but then we get to, as a family, get to reap the benefits. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Personally, my wife and I, we do a lot with miles and points. We pay very close attention to it. We've been able to take a lot of trips, domestic, international. We take our kids on some amazing experiences and we rarely pay for hotels or flights because of that, because we pay close attention to it. Now, there's some statistic I've heard that like a high, high percentage of miles and points never actually get redeemed. So if you're not going to use them, then fine, that's, there's no big deal. But if you're going to use them, like pay close attention to them so that you, you've got a pile of them that you can actually, you can actually use. So to that point, do you have any type of specific card that you use, debit or credit card? The one that I have is uh, Bank of America. I think it's just the Travel Rewards business card. So, you know, when I first started my own business and I, I think I joined the podcast, like right as I was ha- came and was a guest, right as I was doing all this, yeah. I set up business accounts. At Bank of America has been my bank since forever. So I went with their their travel. They have like a travel rewards credit card that is hooked up to the business accounts. And uh, that works well for me. Cool. I use a, uh, a Chase Inc. business card. There's a bunch of different Chase Inc. versions. But for me, Chase Points are one of the things that we use a lot of. They can be transferred to various partners, Hyatt, Southwest, United, among others. So yeah, that tends to be what we use. And again, we pay close attention to those points because of the number of, of personal benefits we get for travel for our family. So yeah, big, big fan of just tracking miles and points. Uh, we actually had an episode 83 with a buddy of mine, Travis Sherry, who talks all about miles and points. There's several different mile and point websites out there. It's a whole big world. You can certainly get lost. And if you want to go down that, that rabbit trail, but yeah, I, I love all things miles and points. So, all right, so let's get into this. We've covered a lot here, but let's just go through like a lightning round of just some travel tips. I know we both have some strategies that we use. So anything that you do when traveling before, or after traveling, let's uh, even just some additional resources. Let's hit sure. some of these. Yeah. I never fly in to a gig location the day that I speak because okay. inevitably something goes wrong, you miss a flight, you miss a connection, you still have time to pivot and make it work. So that's that's my rule. I try never to fly in the day of my of my speech. I tend to not do that. A lot of times it depends on when I'm actually speaking and what the routing right. is and and some of the different times of year, some of those different variables. Okay. So give you some scenarios. So whenever I was traveling through either Chicago or Dallas in the winter, Chicago would have horrible snow, but in the summer, spring, 
Dallas would have horrible storms. And so inevitably, you kind of had to think through, all right, where am I flying through in order to get to some location? If I think I shared one time, had an event in North Dakota in December, all right, well, inevitably, like things are going to be delayed, most likely going there, you need to plan accordingly for that. The other thing too, is, is, you know, having a direct flight versus, you know, I need to take multiple stops in order to get there. So Thinking through some of those types of variables definitely makes a, a big difference. My rule is generally like I never want to have the last option. So in your situation, what you're describing there, you don't want to fly in day of. But let's say, for example, you are booked to fly the last flight out the day before. If there's an issue and you speak at, let's say, noon tomorrow, then you've, you, you've still got an issue, right? Like always having that backup plan is, uh, is really important. Yeah, Definitely. My other next level tip is I have the TSA pre-check. Do you have pre-check? Oh, yes. Lifesaver. So I actually did the extra step. You can upgrade for global entry. If you Mm -hmm. do any international travel, this is 100% worth it. I think it's $85 for TSA pre-check and only $100 for global entry, but it includes pre-check. Right. So this means you get to skip customs. You're getting your, your special line to go through security. You don't have to take your jacket off, take your shoes off, empty out your laptop. It saves so, so much time you know, especially for the international stuff, skipping the customs line, you just walk up, you scan your fingerprints and you go pick up your bag. It's amazing. It is very, very efficient and it makes your life much simpler. And going back to the credit card thing, you may look into, there's a lot of credit cards that have that as a bonus that they will reimburse you for that $85 or $100, depending on what it is that you get. But yeah, I cannot agree with you enough there. What tools do you use? Any tools, apps, anything like that? Yeah, so first of all, I didn't know about a word wallet. So I'm going to download that that. and get get all over it. But I use TripIt to manage mm-hmm. all my itineraries. So yep. it's super easy. You download the app. Anytime you get an email that's an itinerary, TripIt will automatically recognize it. So tickets, boarding passes, any of that stuff. And they pull that in to TripIt. So I have, like you talked about your speaker one sheet, I've got it in TripIt in the app and I can pull it up at any time. Yep. Um, so that's how I keep track of all my upcoming trips and make sure everything's accounted for. Totally agree with TripIt. TripIt's wonderful. There's a free version. There's a really, really cheap paid version, but yeah, both work well. Two apps that I use, especially when flying, is one is called Flight Aware. So it's a way to track your inbound flight. Like a lot of times, like, all right, I'm supposed to be boarding, you know, 10 minutes ago and there's no plane here and they haven't given us any update and I'd like to know what's going on. And sometimes the gate agents can be helpful and sometimes not. So looking up where you can see where's my flight, where's my inbound flight, are there weather, is there any type of issue, is there a mechanical thing? Like FlightAware will give you some of those updates. So I like to use that app quite a bit. The other thing that I use is an app called Gate Guru. It's a free app for a lot of major airports. It'll give you a listing of all the restaurants. So we use it especially as a family as all right, we're headed back to the airport to fly out or, or we're going through this airport and we've got an hour layover and I can pull up and see, all right, in our terminal, here's the 12 restaurant options. Let's go ahead and decide. So we're not getting there trying to find a map and then trying to figure out where do we go. So trying to make those decisions ahead of time. Another thing too is... I don't necessarily use a specific app for this, but figuring out, especially when you land, what gate you're coming into and what gate you're going out of, just to kind of figure out that connection. Because there's oftentimes where you may have a tight connection and you're going from one terminal all the way to the end of the other end of the airport to another terminal and there's no tram system, you're on foot. And so just like thinking those things through, you know, ahead of time. So you don't realize, oh crap, I need to be way over there immediately. Um, so just planning ahead really makes a big difference. Definitely. One of the other things I do is if you're getting your bag gate checked, right? Like you go onto the flight and you're like, oh, we ran out of overhead room. So we're taking your bag. They will hand you a tag. You were probably not aware that you were going to have to gate check your bag. So you don't, you know, you you maybe didn't 
make sure that it had something distinct on it. I always take a photo of that tag that they hand me. And same thing if you're leaving your bags at the hotel with the concierge while you finish up the gig. I always take a picture of that little tag with the number on it because inevitably, especially if you weren't expecting it, that little tag is going to get lost or left in the back of your airplane seat pocket right. or fall out of your pocket somewhere. And at least if you have the photo, you will not be lost You know, in terms of finding your bags. One of the little tech thing that I do is, especially if I'm renting a car, I make sure that I bring a amount for the GPS for my phone. So bring I have an extra amount that I just leave in my bag. The other thing too is I always have a one of those cigarette lighter plug-in USB charger okay. things. Yeah, so I just have one of those. In fact, I travel with those all the time anyway, because even if you're in the back of a, a taxi or an Uber or, or Lyft or whatever, and you are, man, my battery's running low, and you know, I, I head to the event, I head straight to the event or whatever it may be, like you've got an opportunity to, to charge right there. That's pretty good. See, that's not in my tech tackle box. Stuff. I got an update. You got stuff up again. What I do keep in there, my last sort of lightning round tip here is uh, I have an extra long phone charger cord. So I've got the iPhone. I just have that like little lightning cable, you know, and it plugs in USB style. I went on Amazon. I ordered like a 10 foot long cable that is a lightning cable that, you know, lightning cable to USB. I find inevitably whether you're in that Uber, right. And you need to plug into the front seat or, uh, or most hotels for some reason, they still haven't figured out that we all need to plug our phones in, you know, somewhere near our bed as an alarm clock. So, you know, that helps being able to plug it in and still have it close enough to be an alarm. Cool. One other thing I just thought of is uh, I always travel with my own water bottle. And so there's lots of different versions of it. So I used to just get to the airport and would just buy, you know, the plastic one for $17 or whatever it is and just use that. And that's fine. But finally, I was just like, I've got water bottles at home. I can just bring them and just keep filling them and it saves the time. So, so yeah, I kind of got in the habit of as soon as I, I get to security, I chug my water. As soon as I get out of security, go refill it. And I've got that with me for the, the rest of the day. Another little thing I travel with in my travel bag as I'm thinking about it is I always travel with hand sanitizer. Mm. Airports, hotels, <laughs> we don't have to get into it, but they are gross. <laughs> so just traveling with, uh, with sanitizer, we brush up and sanitize frequently. It's true. Yeah. Sanitize away. There, you can never have too much as long as it's small enough to get through TSA, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Covered a lot here. Anything we're missing? I don't know. I think you guys are all set now. You can just travel anywhere in the world. You're good. Yeah, you're, you're good to go. Good to go. Hey, a couple of the resources <laughs> we mentioned to you on some previous podcast episodes we did, episode 73 and 74, travel tips for speakers, and then also episode 83, which is again about miles and points, travel hacking. So I uh, encourage people to, to check that out. All right. Any final words of wisdom? You know, just be safe out there. Safe travels. Safe travels. Enjoy the journey. <laughs> All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation between myself and Melanie as we discussed all things travel and being a road warrior. Hey, one other thing I wanted to let you know about, if you are someone who's looking for a place where you can consistently find and book speaking gigs, you want to check out a free tool that we offer over at myspeakingagent.com. Again, this is myspeakingagent.com. It's a free tool with, at this moment, over a thousand different events all over the world, all different subjects and topics, all different industries. So if you are someone who's looking for an event that you might be able to speak out might be a good fit for, then uh, I'd encourage you to check that out. It's again, it's a totally free tool you can find again over at myspeakingagent.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode, episode 185. We'll catch you next time. Again, remember the next two episodes are also going to be with Melanie. So make sure you come back for those and uh, we'll see you next week. You're awesome.